Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday, Hump Day edition of the show. It's Scout versus Scout Wednesday. We're going to get into some quarterback discussion for you on this Wednesday. Kyle, welcome aboard. Hump Day! Right, just like the camel. It was Geico, right? I yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hope day. Guess what day it is. Listen, I'm thrilled. Right now, Joe, you and I are going to sit down. We're going to talk quarterbacks. Uh, as we're recording this, it's 9.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday night. And we're going to talk about progression of players. We're going to talk about fixable traits, non-fixable traits. What are your must-haves for the quarterback position? Uh if you are a fan of several teams, this may not be relevant to you. If that's the case, bless you. Like Rams fans, good for you. You guys are in a great spot right now. Cleveland Browns fans, as weird as it sounds, listen, I'm not jumping the gun because I've been Baker Mayfield QB1 for a really long time. Browns fans, you are not going to have to worry about a quarterback. That's probably a weird feeling for you. Good for you. Other fans. This is going to be really relevant information. And it's going to be interesting because depending on when some of these teams invested in players, there will still be some unanswered questions. Joe, you did an excellent job tackling some of the uh, deeper points of Josh Allen's game tape from Buffalo's win over. Who'd you guys play? Tennessee. Tennessee Titans. Joe, you did an excellent job breaking down some of Josh Allen's play against the Tennessee Titans in a win this past weekend. And at the end of the day, Buffalo Bills won that football game. That's great. But there's some context that needs to be investigated. And, uh, Joe, some Bills fans might just think you're just some Twitter scout parading and charading around as some kind of a sham expert because they didn't like what you had to say. And right now, I want to give you the floor to give your elevator pitch to Buffalo Bounds Bills fans, specifically those over at Two Bills Drive. You gave a lot of heat and hate your way. And just deliver a brief message to them, and we'll let this be water under the bridge. Man, I think I'm going to be super disappointing with what I'm going to say right now. I would just encourage everyone to read the article. because There I you think- go. I articulated exactly what I wanted to communicate about how Josh Allen, yes, he has a very poor supporting cast. Nobody's going to argue that. But he is the worst part of the offense, and he limits the supporting cast. And so I detailed several examples. I showed my work on where the supporting cast, the offensive line, nor his weapons had anything to do with his struggles. And I I thought it was really important to highlight that because so many people want to – to give him, not say a pass, but it's, it seems to be this overarching theme when we get into Josh Allen discussion is that, well, his, his players around him suck. Well, what if I showed you 
plenty of examples where the players around him have nothing to do with his own shortcomings. And so I love football discussion of every level, even if it sometimes means that people want to rip me apart for reasons that just don't, because my opinion doesn't align with what they want to hear. I mean, I do that on this podcast every day. Well, you know, look, I, 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 the reality is this is, this is the job we have and I embrace every bit of it. And, you know, everything's not going to be, you know, roses and daisies that watch football. It's not, not everything's perfect. There's good players and bad players and we want to talk about it all. And so if you want honest discussion, honest analysis on it, then, Hey, I'm the guy for you. If you just want me to sit here and tell you all the good things about the players, then that's boring and it's not us. So we'll just keep doing our jobs. Honestly, people can like it or not, but um, it'll be well-educated and and well-researched opinions that uh, we deliver the analysis from. Now, Joe, can you please detail if you had to have a backup career? Because somebody told you that they hoped you had one. Yeah. If you had to have a backup career, what would your backup, your ideal backup career be? Man, it's it's funny because I've I've done so much in life to be at this point, you know, where I, I where football is the full time gig. Um, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm thinking about giving every ounce of my energy to this and continuing to, to find success and grow the draft network. So that's where my mind's at. But uh, at this point, you know, I don't want a regular job, right? Like I want to be involved with football. So whatever I can do to be involved with football, you heard Herman Edwards, he was asked, you know, about his career. He's like, man, I ain't worked a day in a I never had a job and I've never worked a day in my life. I've just been involved with football. And I kind of want that to be true about me. So whatever <laughs> the draft network isn't going to work out, which I don't think is going to be a problem. That plan B is to find another job in football. Jeez, you're being very politically correct with your answers. This is why you make a terrible villain, by the way. Well, what's your answer there? Oh, man. Before, hey, Kyle, before you give your answer, I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Okay, I do, this is good. I, I do want to talk to our friends, the listeners, about the sponsor of today's show. I'm talking about my bookie. And Kyle... We get asked a lot of questions. We get asked for advice. And a lot of times, it's about who to bet on this week. And the truth is, we don't know who's going to win. But if you think you do, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I'm always going to tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service that, to my listeners that's been good to me, and that's why I'm always going to urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code Locked on to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonus. You win, you play, you get paid. Check out MyBookie today. We'll be back after this with Kyle's answer for a backup career. All right, Joe, I've done some mulling. Yeah, I've done some mulling over on this, Joe. Can, can we get some context here? Somebody responded to my Josh Allen article on Twitter 
praying. They said, I pray you have a backup career because I'm clueless. So go ahead, Kyle. What's the backup plan? I don't have one. You know, I've really tried to think of like what would be a really annoying job because I think things that I can get under people's skin I'd be effective at. But I don't – I'm going to leave it to the listeners, Joe, because we got some football to talk about here. Yes. We're not going to go in circles talking about this. So if you have a backup career for me that you think would be perfect application of my skill set, you guys listen to this show, you know my skill set very well. I would highly encourage you hit me up on Twitter at Grinding the Tape and tell me what you think my backup career should be. Joe, let's talk quarterback development. Let's talk about quarterback evaluation. These are the things that we're going to talk about and discuss on today's podcast. So this catalyst, Joe, you came to this idea with me as a show topic. What was it that brought this to the forefront of your mind as something that we could talk about? Two things. Four rookie starting quarterbacks right now in the NFL and, and knowing them as players and the amount of work that we've done on these guys since 2016 to what we're seeing on the field right now and, and understanding their strengths and weaknesses and, and what's going to get better and what's not going to get better. And then this quarterback class that is upon us, this rising class where it's Justin Herbert, we kind of like Dwayne Haskins but need to see more, and then just this field of options that I'm not pounding the table for in the first round. And, you know, we're looking for what in these guys is translatable, what is going to be the flaws of their game that, you know, really makes us pump the brakes on them. And, and you know, look, uh, move the sticks. Uh, Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, they put out their top 25 a few weeks ago, six quarterbacks, Kyle, in that top 25. What do you have in your top 75? Two? Uh, three. Three, I think I have three or four as well. I mean, it's 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 just this discussion about quarterbacks at this point in the juncture makes me want to talk about what is flexible and what is not. So, first and foremost, I think it's important for us to identify, Joe, what each one of our premier traits is at the quarterback position because these are the things that are non-negotiable, right? Like, if you don't have the these several qualities to your game, I'm not going to be attracted to you as a player. And for me, those things are decision-making, accuracy, and workability in the pocket. You have to have these three things. You can be a limited passer if you can't drive a football on a deep out to the far side of the field on a throw that's probably traveling 30-plus yards in the air. And that's okay because you can mask some of that with your anticipation and your ability to confidently and accurately read the defense But if you don't know what's going on around you or if you're not comfortable extending plays within the pocket and keeping your eyes downfield, I'm going to have a significant problem with you as a football player. And those things for me are innate traits that I think that's more of a you either have that or you don't have that type of proposition. And then you can get into the rest of the player's foundation and see what else translate and what that may dictate as his ceiling is as a player. Yeah, Kyle, I have the same three traits, but uh, to kind of expand on some of the thoughts that you just had right there, I've always kind of been accuracy and decision-making as like the, the one, two, very, very, very important. But what's grown on me in the last year and kind of is, is kind of bringing in that 
that pocket presence into the same tier of importance as those other two because, look, it's been something that it just becomes more and more true. When things are collapsing in front of you, does the game slow down? How comfortable are you? Do you know where everybody is and supposed to be on the field and be able to make a quick decision with the football, a quick right decision with the football? It speaks to your overall passing game instincts. And I think it's critical. You watch the best quarterbacks in the NFL when things aren't perfect and things are breaking down around them. Can they hang in there and make a throw? And I think it's right up there in terms of importance as decision-making and accuracy. Now, Joe, what I want to do real quick is I've got the 2018 passing leaders list up right now. And what I want to do is I want to work through some of these players, and I want you to kind of off the cuff give me what you think their best quality is. Their best quality, okay. Okay. Their best quality. Jared Goff. Accuracy. I think it's decision-making. Kirk Cousins. He finds completions. Yep, not afraid to take it where they give it to him. Ben Roethlisberger. Playmaker. I mean, he he just has the uncanny ability to extend plays and find targets down the field. Workability in the pocket, right? Yeah. Drew Brees. Everything. Accuracy. Decision. Accuracy. Derek Carr. Oh, is he really on this list? Um, I mean, with the passing yards. Oh, and uh, we can we can expand this conversation because Derek Carr has seven touchdowns and eight interceptions right now. Yeah. Um, the best thing about Derek Carr maybe is intangible, to be honest with you. Kind of the personality? I think he's got great leadership, but I think he's got flaws as a passer. Deshaun Watson. Um, dual threat? See, for me, I, I think Deshaun's really crisp with the ball. I think it, it, a lot of his mistakes are, and this is a, a blurry line to draw, I think they're getting greedy versus getting confused. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's a, That was a distinguishment that I made with Baker Mayfield in the pre-draft process too. People ask me, okay, you know, turnovers, when Baker Mayfield – makes bad decisions versus when Sam Darnold makes bad decisions. How do you distinguish that? Well, for me, Baker Mayfield got crossed up very rarely, and he just got greedy, whereas Sam Darnold, I thought uh, his wires crossed and got confused with the coverages that he was looking at. And, I mean, Joe, the list goes on and on. Like, we haven't talked about Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. These guys are all, you know, passing leaders and established quarterbacks, but – well, for the sake of this conversation and talking about what's fixable, you know, four of the top six passers that we've discussed either had workability in the pocket, decision making, or accuracy as top tier qualities. Uh, but before we go any further and we talk about those top tier qualities and if it is fixable or not, I'd like to talk to everybody about our friends over at Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experience that will last you. A lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams, artists perform in person. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theaters, and more. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. With the podcast code locked on, listeners can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are first time customers with Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store, or Google Play, 
and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKED ON and receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. We will be right back after this short break to discuss if these top tier qualities are attainable if you do not have them. Joe, I'm going to kick this over to you, my friend. We've discussed some of the top passers in the league right now, and some of the common traits are the traits that we referenced earlier in the show discussing, you know, these are our must-have qualities. So where do we draw the line as far as how attainable they are for players? Are there any examples of players that didn't have them that have developed them? Yeah, you know, what comes to mind is a conversation that I recently had with an NFL scout in the press box a few weeks ago. And we talked about accuracy, and we were talking about the 2018 rookie quarterback class, and obviously Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield were a big part of that discussion. And you know, we got into the Allen discussion, and we talked about some things that were important uh, about where Josh Allen was in his development and how he's probably 10,000 reps behind Baker Mayfield when you consider practice and game time just based on what they've done and where they've been through and uh, their college careers. And so it came down to, is accuracy something that can improve? And, and he, he, he put me on the spot. He says, Joe, can you think of an example of a guy where it did? And I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I look like a deer in the head, like trying to think of it because I just couldn't come up with anything. He says, I thought a lot about this. And the example that I can come up with is Aaron Brooks. He says, Aaron Brooks is the one guy that I can think of that really worked at it and became a more accurate passer throughout from college and early in his career to when he kind of peaked and had a decent run there with the Saints. And so I think if you just look at it, we've got a sample size of, of inaccurate passers is long, is it's ridiculously long, right? And, and the one example that could be thought of by an, a legitimate NFL scout was Aaron Brooks. So do I think accuracy is teachable or correctable? Probably not. Now, if there's things that can be improved – within the passer, whether, you know, if it's mechanics or footwork or something like that, that is robbing them of accuracy, then that's one thing. But if, if, if you look at the mechanics of the quarterback and say they're good and they're not accurate with the football, then I don't think it's fixable. Now, Joe, as a point of fact, uh, Aaron Brooks never completed 60% of his passes in his en- entire NFL career. Which I think is still a bad – I mean, John Elway was sub-60% passer too. I- now, listen, here's where I draw the line though because if you're referencing names before the year 2000, like I have a hard time getting on board because defensive backs played so differently in that era, right? Sure, yeah. And that's one of my more common misconceptions about people like to use – completion percentage which lacks context in its own right as a barometer and and point of measure 60 percent is he a 60 percent passer bull i you if you're completing 60 percent of your passes right now you're leaving meat on the bone i think the elite quarterbacks and the top tier quarterbacks in the nfl right now with the way the game is played 65 percent that's your threshold that's my threat. Like if you if you have good accuracy and you consistently make good decisions and you're you're keeping the offense on schedule, sixty five percent. Forget sixty percent. It's an antiquated number from two thousand. We're not playing that kind of football anymore. But you still think it's so for Aaron Brooks? Of course, it's a it is a very basic measure 
of accuracy and, and decision-making is if you're completing a high percentage of your passes, it's suggesting that you're making correct decisions. Obviously, you're throwing the football to guys who are open and they are catching the ball. Obviously, that's important. It's not the be-all, end-all. You need to watch the film and get some context in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how many times, you know, the, the root of accuracy problems, Joe, nine times out of ten is what? I'd have to say mechanics. Throwing mechanics. You're exactly right. I agree with you 100%, whether that's from the ground up with footwork in the lower half or with the release point and weight distribution and how you're following through on your throws. How many times have we heard the story? Like, How many times did Tim Tebow work with a, a quarterback's coach and rework his mechanics to improve his accuracy? It's Patrick, the same thing. How many times has Blake, how many times has yeah. Blake Bortles, how many consecutive seasons has Blake Bortles worked with a quarterback coach to improve his throwing mechanics as a measure of improving his accuracy, and then he comes out and he throws popcorn fart footballs with five-yard crossers? We see it every year. And maybe with a guy like Josh Allen, if he's legitimately 10,000 reps behind, there may be some room for growth in that regard. But by and large, these guys have been throwing the ball their entire lives. The way they throw the football is the way they're going to throw the football. One thing that Ben Solak said repeatedly last draft season that really resonated with me, Kyle, was I'm only interested with mechanics as it relates to accuracy. If you are an accurate thrower, but your mechanics aren't the way we prefer them, right? Do we care about mechanics? And so that's why I think it's important to distinguish that in this discussion, because if we think that accuracy is a result of mechanics, there's the real question, is mechanics fixable? Or are mechanics fixable? No. So there you go. There's your answer. I mean, I, th- I think you can remove some loop. From a throwing motion, you can get a guy to carry a ball higher, but generally the way that his body is programmed to move to release that football, I think is generally a lit. Very rarely does that kind of stuff stick, and if it does, the changes are minute. I think you can get a lot better at footwork, but your throwing release, I think, is, is very limited in the ways that you can change that. And, you know, it's a problem if it's a problem, yes. right? Like nobody's complaining about Philip Rivers' arm slot when he right. throws the football. Right. But when Lamar Jackson is short striding his throws at college at Louisville and he's sailing his comeback patterns on the sideline and can't complete anything beyond 15 yards down the sidelines, it's a problem because he's not getting on top of the ball. He's not driving his throws. So, yes, throwing mechanics can not be a problem if they're not textbook. But the proof is in the pudding, which is one of my favorite sayings of all time. I'm glad I had a chance to break that out. The proof is in the pudding. If you have accuracy issues, let's look at your throwing mechanics. Let's look at those issues. Joe, how do you feel about players handling pressure and workability within the pocket and the ability to extend plays within the pocket? Is that something that you feel like is improvable? There's a certain level of comfort, right, that I think exists, and it comes from so many different things. You know, preparedness, grasp of the offense, processing, all of those things. Um, but I, I do tend to tend to believe that it is difficult to improve. I think you can get better just with time with anything, right? You're just going to get better with time. 
and it's not necessarily a muscle memory thing that you're trying to break, but I think it's one of those things that's very gradual. And so when we, we look at players like Josh Allen, we keep going back to Josh Allen, who flees clean pockets all the time, and his eyes drop when, when the pressure arrives. You know, he's going to have to have so many more reps and so much more exposure to overcome that. But I'm more inclined to believe you can get better at that. I don't think you can be bad at it and become great at it. But I think you can become bad at it and be okay at it, more so than mechanics and accuracy. Well, shoot, let's not just bag on Josh Allen here. Let's talk about Derek Carr. Okay. You know, you would reference this is a player that has some flaws in his game, right? Yes. I think handling pressure for him, like if you hit any quarterback enough, he's going to get rattled. If any quarterback has to stare down the barrel of the gun and he knows he's going to get hit, it's very hard to protect yourself, right? It's very hard to protect yourself and ignore that instinct to just let it rip and stand in there. The guys that can do it, they know they're going to get hit. Those are the guys that are special in that regard. But Carr, for me, Carr flinches so much under pressure. And then you look at another player like Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's in year seven. And if you blitz Ryan Tannehill, there's a 50-50 shot. He makes a stupid decision with the football. And he's very uncreative within the pocket. For a great athlete, Ryan Tannehill is terrible within the pocket in extending plays. He runs into sacks. He doesn't feel where bodies are around him. There's no improvement. And I look at two examples like that where that was a big issue for me with Carr coming out. And it's we've seen six years of it with Ryan Tannehill and seven years he missed last year being injured. And there's no no growth in that area. I think all the great quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson, the, even the Tom Brady is a guy who's not mobile. That's a natural ability within the pocket to manipulate pass rushers. We saw it with Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, the late slide in the pocket, the way he dealt with pressure in that Ohio State game last year. That comfort and poise and control of the situation, even when there's chaos around you, I don't think that's improvable at all. I think that's one of those quote-unquote it factors that people like to reference. And I think you can see quote-unquote that it in that chaos situation one follow-up there kyle is i don't think athletic ability is an indicator of pocket mobility i think that's something not at all you're absolutely right use with and just because you're not athletic doesn't mean you can't manipulate the pat the pocket tom brady's one of the most unathletic quarterbacks the nfl's ever seen tremendous mobility within the pocket and there's plenty of examples the other way around so don't confuse the two Joe, any parting thoughts you'd like to get off your chest? Speak now or forever hold your peace. And we could we could go for a long time on this. <laughs> yes, so, we could. Maybe we got maybe we got to readdress on another I'll show. Hold my peace for now. Okay. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed kind of this preliminary discussion into quarterback play, required traits, whether or not we believe those traits are improvable, fixable, attainable. Uh, long story short, short, if you're tuning into this podcast at the end, SparkNotes version is no. <laughs> we don't think that those are attainable traits. Uh, if you have any examples of players that you think kind of fly in the face of this theory, please let us know. You can reach us. Joe is on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter at grinding the tape. We will be revisiting this conversation at some point, Joe. I don't know when, but our listeners should definitely hit the subscribe button on this show 
and make sure they don't miss it and listen in. Tomorrow is Baby Big Boards, which is my personal favorite show of the week. If you have any ideas for Baby Big Boards you'd like to hear us talk about and build and craft a top five big board for, please let us know. You know where to find us. If you forgot, just rewind this podcast about 45 seconds. I'll help you out. Kyle Krabs with Joe Mario. Thanks so much for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.